Thanks, Mayor. Thanks, Church. Awesome. Hey, um, just a show, quick show of hands. Who's seen the movie Jumanji, the new one? Okay, and who, not, not right, raise them nice and high. This isn't, I don't want to shame you out. Okay, who's seen Philomena, this movie? Okay, yeah, yeah, maybe Topo had something going. So, so uh, Topo are doing uh, Movie May as well, and they're preaching on Jumanji this morning. And I was like, Jumanji? The one with The Rock? What are you getting out of that movie? But uh, obviously I should have been too, because far more of you have seen that than this boring drama that I've chosen. Um, but uh, I don't know. I'm just, I, it's just easier to get stuff out of these kind of movies. Let's be, let's be honest. I mean, The Rock running around uh, in a jungle with um, animals. I, I don't know how you get, um, you know, life-changing stuff from that. But you can actually probably, if you went online, uh, Carl Green from Tauranga is is preaching uh, it, and I think if you went online, you could probably find it. And so if you want to know, if you want to know what you can get out of Jumanji um, uh, in, the, in the next week or two, um, go to the Quipper's website, and you can probably have a listen. Uh, so we are looking at this movie called Philomena, and uh, again, it's another great movie with a classic um, Oscar-winning uh, actress this time, Dame Judi Dent. She doesn't win an Oscar for this one, but um, she possibly should have. Uh, I have to tell you, there I'm giving you a lot of plot spoilers. To tell this story, I have to re- pretty much ruin it for you. Uh, and But I figure that it's six years old now, and so if you haven't seen it yet, you probably weren't going to. Uh, let's be honest. And the door is there. So if you're really, if you're really like, oh, no, I must see the movie... Um, I'm not expecting anyone to leave. Uh, so what we'll do, it's, a, it's based on a true story like all the movies we've seen, except Ralph Breaks the Internet <laughs> and Wonder, which are both not true stories. Lincoln is a true story. Uh, we're gonna watch the, we'll watch the trailer first just to get you in the mood. So if you want to play that, John, thanks. This is Martin Sixsmith, used to be the BBC's man in Moscow. And Washington. You're depressed. Well, I got the sack. I'm unemployed. Yes, but it wasn't your fault, was it? That's why I'm depressed. What are you working on at the moment? I know this woman. She had a baby when she was a teenager. She's kept it secret for 50 years. You're talking about the human interest story. And that's... I don't do those. Why not? You think I should do a human interest story? Philomena, how are you? I had a hip replacement last year, Martin. Titanium, so it won't rust. Otherwise, it'd have to oil you like the Tin Man. Is that right? Oh, no. He's just joking, Mum. Oh. <laughs> I was going to ask if it would be possible not to use my real name when you write the story. What about Anne Boleyn? That's a lovely name. Well, somebody had no, that. The, we're going to have to use your real name, Philomena. I only want to know if he's all right. Perhaps these older nuns should help us with some of the details. I don't think that's going to be possible. Why not? You're a journalist. I used to be. Martin's a Roman Catholic. Yes. Well, no, I used to be. My guess is that Anthony was adopted and sent to America. I think I would like to go. I'd like to know if Anthony ever thought of me. I've thought of him every day. Should we go for a walk? Or we could watch Big Mama's house. It's about a little black man pretending to be a fat black lady. It looked hilarious, Martin. <laughs> she told four people today that they were one in a million. What are the chances of that? Oh. 
What if he died in Vietnam or lived on the street? Or what if he was obese? What math makes you think he'd be obese? Because of the size of the portions. That's my Anthony. I met him. Where? At the White House. Oh, God. What was he like? And did you remember anything he said? Hello. 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 Might have been hi. Oh, Martin. I did not abandon my child. He was taken from me. She's been looking for him. She spent her whole life trying to find him. I've never been to Mexico, but I believe it's lovely. Apart from the kidnappings. So, just to uh, to get you up to speed with the movie, uh, it's based on Philomena Lee. Uh, she... Uh, Young, as a young girl, had a hard upbringing. Her mother died when she was six. Uh, her father had her raised in a, co- a convent between the years of uh, six and 18. And then she got pregnant uh, at the age of 18. So she got sent to another convent uh, where she had a boy um, named Anthony. And she lived there with him for about three and a half years, where she worked seven days a week in the laundry, and she got to see Anthony for one hour a day. Uh, until... One day, out of the blue, they send Anthony off. Um, she's not given any warning. She's not told. She's not asked. Um, he's adopted out um, at the age of three and a half. And uh, Philomena is obviously, she's, she's heartbroken, and she's um, wracked by shame and guilt and anger, and she keeps this secret for 50 years she goes on and actually has a family. She, she marries, has a couple of kids. And it's not until the anniversary of what would be uh, Anthony's 50th birthday that she actually tells one of her daughters that actually you have a brother and, uh, and I don't know where he is. And so they go on this journey. She uh, enlists the, the, the help of Martin Sixsmith, previously high-flying journalist who's kind of fallen bit down on his luck, and he's lost his job, and he, and he takes on this case of helping Philomena uh, to try and, well, for him to try and get a good story to make some money, but also he, he, along the way he, he really cares and he wants to help out Philomena. Uh, and there's a, there's a number of themes in this movie, and uh, I wanna, I'll bring them out, but actually I want to show you um, just one short clip, and uh, then we'll, we'll start looking at the theme of worry and uncertainty about our future. So, here we go. I'm getting scared. Now we're getting closer. All these years wondering whether Anthony was in trouble or in prison or goodness knows where. But as long as I didn't know, I could always tell myself he was happy somewhere and, and that he was doing all right. But what if he died in Vietnam or, or came back with no legs or lived on the street? Don't upset yourself. Hmm? We don't know what we don't know. Just going to deal with that when we get to it. What if he was a drug addict, Martin? Or what if he was obese? Obese? I watched this documentary that says a lot of Americans are huge. What if that happened to him? What what on earth makes you think he'd be obese? Because of the size of the portions. Okay, so in this brief brief clip, we see we see how Philomena is kind of wrestling with 
uh, uncertainty in her life. Uncertainty about, I guess, her past, but also about her future. And uh, she lives in kind of this, this limbo land um, when it comes to her past. Up until this point, she's kind of been paralyzed by it. And so she's done nothing for 50 years. She didn't want to face it. And so she told nobody. For, and 50 years is a long time. And whenever she's thought of it, she's kind of just glossed over it. She's thought, oh, uh, I guess he's fine. I, I, and she tells herself these stories that, you know, that he's, he's doing fine. She's not really f- prepared to face up to reality. But now that she is doing something about it, all these worries have kind of bubbled to the surface. And she's actually, you know, she's become, like, becoming increasingly anxious and worried about, you know, what's happened to him. What if he's, you know, died in Vietnam or lost his legs or at least she's just, her mind is going there. And and I think there is something, it's very true of human nature that as humans, we can fluctuate between these two unhealthy kind of uh, extremes. Either we we stick our head in the sand and we're like, "Uh, I don't want to deal with it. I deny, uh, and, and we just deny that we have any issues, we deny that anything is wrong, we deny that there is uh, problems, we deny that uh, we're upset about something, we just, we just block everything else, and we live in that space. Or we swing the other way, and, and it owns us, and we become so worried and so scared and, and, and anxious about it that, that that dominates our thinking. And uh, I think, I mean, it depends on your personality type, which kind of extreme you, you might go to, but I think all of us probably swing between the two, uh, between that denial of, of that there are issues, that there are things we're worried about, or are we just kind of, you know, I'm not going to think about it until it all comes up and we should have dealt with it, or we're just, it, we're just so anxious about it, it dominates our thinking. Is this just me, or I think, I think a lot of us can relate to that. So let's go to the Bible. Don't worry, we're not just talking about a movie. We're going to the Bible as well. So Matthew 6 25, Jesus gives us some very wise words about this. Matthew 6, 25, it's a long passage, I'll I'll read it to you. It says, therefore I tell you, Jesus speaking, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Fantastic words from Jesus. Do not worry about your life. Actually, I think that's a word for some people right now, just that. Just don't worry about your life. It's a pretty broad statement Jesus makes. It's not like don't worry about that. No, just don't worry about your life in general. God looks after the birds. 
He looks after the grass for goodness sake. He cares about you way more than them. So stop worrying. Now, does that mean we just stick our heads in the sand and don't do anything about our upcoming job review or that stuff that needs sorting around the house or our kids and what's going on with them or that kind of no, no, Jesus doesn't say don't care and he doesn't say don't act. He says don't worry. And there's a big difference. See, worry is really the dwelling or the thinking about something that ultimately has no effect on the outcome. It's, it's all the stuff around it that actually is purposeless that, that uh, we often do, lie awake at night thinking about something that doesn't change anything at all. Because, you know, you can plan and you can scheme and you can think, but if you don't actually do anything about it, then I would suggest that you're just worrying, actually. You might think, oh, no, I'm thinking and I'm playing. No, you're just worrying because you're not actioning anything about it. See, Jesus, he suggests we shift our vision completely and focus on something higher. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, all the things that you might worry about will be given to you as well. Now, the Greek word for seek here is zetio. Uh, it means to seek in order to find, but also to seek by thinking, meditating, or reasoning. So it's a shift of our focus. It's a shift of our mind to, to, to no longer think and meditate and reason about the stuff that's right in front of us, that, that, that's consuming our thinking, but rather to meditate, to reason, to dwell on the, the kingdom of God and His righteousness. The kingdom of God, that's, that's his royal power, that's his authority, that's his kingship, that's his dominion, his rule. Because when we focus on that, we realize, man, God is so big. He's so powerful. And, and what was worrying us just becomes so small and insignificant in the light of who he is. We gain perspective. And then his righteousness. I love that. It's his righteousness. It's not our righteousness because we are often too worried about how we come out of it and how we, what we do. But no, he says, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. When we see ourselves rightly in the, in the view of who he is and what he's done, then again, we, get, we gain perspective. We realize actually, you know, in God's eyes, I am this and he loves me like this. And my situation is actually in the palm of his hand because it's about him. And again, our whole mindset changes. So when you're confronted by, by uncertainty, whether it's from your past or whether it's into your future, come to Jesus. Come to God and seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. It's not about doing His kingdom and His righteousness. Remember, it was about dwelling on Him and focusing our hearts upon Him. Because it's, it's something that happens in our hearts. And when we do that, then we will live out of that place. We will live out of that, that hope, that grace that he gives us. Because as Jesus says, today has enough worries of its own. So don't worry about the future. Seek me first every day and, and I'll take care of the rest. It's good advice. It's wise advice. And I think that's, that's for some of you here this morning. That's just what you need to hear about your worries and your concerns. Don't get worked up about them and don't, put your head in the sands, but rather seek Him.
and he'll look out for you. The second, my second point uh, from this movie uh, is a fun one. It's, it's the power of a real faith. You see, Philomena is, a, is quite a devout uh, Roman Catholic. She's very down to earth, very, you could say, simple and provincial and, and somewhat naive about a lot of things. But she's also very open hearted and genuine. And uh, Martin, he's English, he's a lapsed Catholic, and he's, he's very well educated, went to Oxford, and uh, he's very intelligent, but he's also very cynical. Uh, he's a self professed atheist, he, he, he's very closed off. And there's, there's heaps of lovely interactions throughout the movie between them where they just, they're coming from such different spaces. And uh, it's, a very, it's a real clash of two worldviews. And uh, I just want to show you just a wee clip of this. I'll just apologize in advance. There's uh, some swearing, but it's in Irish. So it's almost not even a swear word. Uh, <laughs> so where are we look? I'd like to go to confession. We passed a church on the way here. Why do you want to go to confession? Oh, to confess my sins, of course. What sins? Mm. The Catholic Church should go to confession, not you. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. I incarcerated a load of young women against their will, used them as slave labor, then sold their babies to the highest bidder. I just hope God isn't listening to you. Well, I don't believe in God, so look, no thunderbolt. Well, what are you trying to prove? Nothing, just that you don't need religion to lead a happy and balanced life. And you're happy and balanced, are you? I'm a journalist, Philomena. We ask questions. We don't believe something just because we're told it's the truth. Yet what does the Bible say? Happy are those who do not see, yet believe. Hooray for blind faith and ignorance. And what do you believe in? Picking holes in everyone else and being a smart aleck? Taking photos whenever you like? I read a very funny headline in a satirical newspaper the other day about the earthquake in Turkey. It said, God outdoes terrorists yet again. Why God feels the need to suddenly wipe out hundreds of thousands of innocent people escapes me. You should ask him about that while you're in there. He'll probably say he moves in mysterious ways. No, I think he'd say you were a feckin' Aegis. Okay. Oh, I love it. Um, I'm not condoning this language anyway. Uh, I love, I love, I love uh, the realness of Philomena's faith. Um, as I said, she's fairly uneducated, but uh, and she's not nearly as worldly as Martin. But there's a realness and an authenticity in her relationship with God, and, and it comes out even more later in the film, and you'll you'll see that. Um, but it, it reminds me of this passage in one Corinthians one twenty seven. Says this, but God chose the foolish things of the world. To shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. See, to Martin, Philomena's faith is foolishness, but it's also very real, and he, he, he grasps that. And in our, our world today, people are looking for authenticity. They can smell a fake a mile off. And, and there's a depth to Philomena's faith that really challenges Martin. It challenges the, the well-reasoned atheism of, of his thinking. And, and he can't understand why someone who's been so hurt by the church should still trust God and, and, and go to church. And I think there's a, there's a challenge to us today because I, I would hazard uh, a guess that 
that no one here has probably been as hurt by the church as Philomena has. And yet, I know people who have left church on far lesser, uh, for far lesser reasons. We, we think, oh, you know, she must have been angry with God. Well, I think she was. I think she was very upset and angry, but she's moved past that. She's moved beyond that. She's processed that anger. And, you know, so many people have been hurt by far less. Can I tell you today, church, the church will hurt you. People in the church will hurt you because they are frail, broken humans just like you. And they will act out of their own insecurities and fears and doubts and worries and and issues that they are dealing with. And we just need to realize that and show grace to one another. Don't let your issues with people in the church keep you from God. Because that's what's happened to Martin. And that's, that's what I, I think Philomena does, has done an amazing job in not letting that shake her. She has every reason to be, to be out of the church, to be bitter and twisted towards the church. And Martin is just baffled by Philomena's ongoing faith. He thinks it's foolish. And that's just what Paul writes to the Corinthians there. It's, it's, it's foolishness. Can I say, don't be ashamed by your foolish faith. Your faith will appear foolish to many people in the world. Many New Zealanders now think they have grown beyond faith and that, uh, that it's just something for people who, uh, who um, need a crutch, need something to prop them up in their world. They think that they're wiser than God. And uh, we can sometimes sit in our self-righteousness and go, well, actually, I know better. But no, we need, to, we need to show love and grace and prepared to be made fools of in their eyes just to show the love and the grace that God has for them. So embrace the fact that you might be a fool in the eyes of the world. There you go. Is that good? Now, before we move on, I need to, oh, sorry, here come the plot spoilers. I need to divulge some stuff here um, so we can fully grasp the rest of this movie. So halfway through the movie, they, they actually track down Anthony. Well, they don't. They, they track down what happened to him. See, Anthony sadly died. Uh, his name, he was taken um, by these wealthy Americans over to, to Washington. And, uh, and he, he was taken there. Uh, he grows up, and uh, it turns out he, he is gay, and that he contracted AIDS. Uh, and sadly, he died at the age of 43. So seven years prior to Philomena going on this search, uh, and she finds that out. And obviously, she's, she's very upset. She also finds out that he's very successful in his career. He, he trained as a lawyer. He worked in both the Bush and the Reagan administration in the White House. So he, he rose right to the top. And, um, but yeah, obviously, Philomena doesn't get to reconcile with him. And so Philomena and Martin, they go to visit Pete, who's Anthony's long-term ex-partner. And it's there that they learn one last heartbreaking piece of the whole puzzle, and I want you to have a look at this clip and uh, see what you think. We should look at him, Martin. Oh, God, yeah. Nothing. Yeah, can't put weight on What? Yeah, you know that? <gasps> What's, what? What's wrong? You went to Ireland. You went to Ross Cray. 
Yeah. Yeah, I took him. He was looking for you, Philomena. That nun, I saw her at Ross Cray. Sister Hildegard. She's older now, but that was definitely her. They always told me they didn't know where Anthony was. But they, they told us that they couldn't find you. Come on, I got you. They said that you had uh, abandoned him as a baby. She's been looking for him. She spent her whole life trying to find him. I did not abandon my child. He's, uh, he's there now. Come on, Head. What do you mean? I had this huge uh, standoff with his father. He wanted him buried in the U.S. But it was, um, it was your son's dying wish. You know, he said he wanted to go home. He's buried at Russ Cray. So you you haven't seen the earlier scenes, but she goes to the convent to find information. And she's been several times, and they always tell her, oh, no, sorry, we don't have any record where he is. And then she finds this out, that he's been over, actually not once, but three times. The last time when he's dying of AIDS, looking for his mum. And, and they say, no, look, we don't know. And not only that, he's actually buried there. So now you realize how much she has the right to be offended, to be hurt, to be angry, to be broken by the church. And we'll show you this one final clip. Um, and this is, this is where you really see the incredible faith of Philomena. Inappropriate behavior. What? Sister Hildegard, it's all right, I'm not going to hurt you. I just want to ask you a question. From a friend of Philomena Lee, I saw you on a video with her son. Now, when you knew they were looking for each other, why did you keep them apart? We're going to call the guards unless you leave here immediately. I'm not leaving until she answers my question. I'm sorry. I think your whole manner is absolutely disgusting. I'll tell you what's disgusting is lying to a dying man. You could have given him a few precious moments with his mother before he passed away, but you chose not to. That's disgusting. Come on, Sister Hildegard, you don't have to listen to this. Not very Christian, is it? Wait! Let me tell you something. I have kept my vow of chastity my whole life. Self-denial and mortification of the flesh. That's what brings us closer to God. Sister Hildegard. Those girls have nobody to blame but themselves and their own carnal incontinence. Sister Hildegard, please. You mean they had sex? What's done is done. What do you expect us to do about it now? Nothing. There's nothing to be done or said. I found my son. That's what I came here for. Martin. Hang on, hang on. I'll tell you what you can do. 
Say sorry. How about that? Apologize. Stop trying to cover things up. Get out there and clear all the weeds and crap off the graves of the mothers and babies that died in childbirth. Their suffering was atonement for their sins. One of the mothers was 14 years old. Martin, that's enough. The Lord Jesus Christ will be my judge, not the likes of you. Really? Because I think if Jesus was here now, he'd tip you out of that wheelchair and you wouldn't get up and walk. Stop! Stop! I'm sorry. I didn't want to bring him in here like this to make a scene. Why are you apologising? Anthony was dying of AIDS and she still wouldn't tell him about you. But it happened to me, not you. It's up to me what I do about it. It's my choice. So what, you're just going to do nothing? No. Sister Hildegard. I want you to know that I forgive you. What, just like that? It's not just like that. That's hard. That's hard for me. But I don't want to hate people. I don't want to be like you. Look at you. I'm angry. Well, must be exhausting. Sister Claire, I wonder, would you be so kind as to take me to my son's grave? Well, I couldn't forgive you. So much in the scene. Um, actually, can I grab the keys out? Uh, I apologise for the language again. This time it was in English, not in Irish. <laughs> um, but I didn't know how to beep it out. Um, and it was probably appropriate. Uh, <laughs> but um, a couple of minor things, first of all. And then we'll land on the, on the, the major thing. Firstly, stop taking offence on behalf of others. It's not actually your place. Uh, and it does you no favours, it does the person that you are taking offence on behalf of no favours either. Martin here, he, he oversteps his mark. Um, he charges through, and uh, he's justifiably angry, but it's actually not his place to be that outraged. It's Philomena's. Um, and he was right in helping her and supporting her and helping her find out what happened. And, and you are right too when you help people who are, who are facing hard stuff, who are, who are dealing with issues in their lives and you are supporting and loving them, that is right and that is a kind thing to do. But what is not right is to take offense on their behalf and then get all worked up and angry yourself. Because I've seen, I know of immature Christians who have taken offense on behalf of someone else and they've, they've gone and left the church and the person who had the issue, they've dealt with it and they've moved on. But this other person's been so offended on their behalf. I mean, that's just, that's just foolish. That's not our place. And, and people, seriously, people will make excuses about anything. I hear people talking about the Crusades. They're like, oh yeah, but the church was you know, in the Crusades. I'm like, yeah, the Crusades were bad. Not the, you know, the shining light in the uh, Christian uh, history, but 
really, let's not use that as an excuse, something so far in the past, something that you, you know, because often people will just find something to take offence at in the church because they don't want to deal with their own issues. Because it's always easier to take offence at someone else, for someone else, for an issue that is external to yourself rather than to own the issue yourself, rather than to own the problems in your own world. So that's my first thing is that let's not, let's not take issue and offense on behalf of others. Secondly, and I'm not going to delve into this, obviously this Catholic nun has major issues around legalism and grace. The whole thing about mortification of the flesh and, um, you know, there's God's punishment on these girls. Um, I don't want to unpack anything that she said because it's um, not really necessary. I think we realize that she's a bit deluded, but she was right about one thing. Jesus Christ will judge her. He's the only one who will judge her. And I think she may be surprised uh, when she comes um, to face Jesus. But the main thing we, we need to focus on and, and we need to talk about is this astonishing forgiveness that Philomena shows. So she forgives Sister Hildegard and the whole Abbey for their atrocious treatment of her and of her son, Anthony. And it is, it is breathtaking. It is incredible. But it's actually exactly what Jesus asks of us. Matthew 6, 14 says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. See, we are actually required of Jesus, by Jesus, to forgive others if we want to partake in the forgiveness that He offers us. In other passages, we are told to to forgive as we have been forgiven by God and and I don't know about you but I am so grateful for the forgiveness for the forgiveness that I have been shown in that same way we are to forgive others that's huge and this kind of forgiveness it's it's only one that that God can do in us we can't actually do it by ourselves and it is an incredibly powerful testimony probably one of the most powerful testimonies to the world around us of the love and grace of God is when we forgive those who hurt us. In this story, it leaves everyone flabbergasted, most of all Martin. And he even challenges her there. He's like, what? Just like that? And I love her response. It's not just like that. That's hard. That was hard for me. And that's the truth right there. Many of us, we hold resentment and offense and grudges and bitterness against people purely because it is hard to forgive. It is incredibly hard to forgive. I'm really sorry. I wish I had a key. I wish I had some special little trick to make it easy for you to forgive. But there is none. And Jesus never promises us that it will be easy. He never says forgiveness would be a piece of cake. He 
He just tells us to do it. But there's no two ways about it. It is one of the hardest things you will do in life. Forgive those who have hurt you. But the beautiful thing is that when we forgive, we benefit. We are the ones who benefit the most. In this story, Sister Hildegard looks pretty unrepentant uh, and uncaring about the whole issue, I had to say. Perhaps there's some realization after Philomena forgives. Perhaps there's a little bit of a, a sense, oh, maybe, but maybe not. But the powerful thing is what it does for Philomena. You see, she walks free. She walks free. And you see the difference between how Martin is processing it and how Philomena is. You know, and she even calls it out in him. I I don't want to become like you. It must be exhausting. You see, the thing is, when when we hold unforgiveness in our hearts, when we hold offense, when we hold bitterness, when we hold hurt, it, it's exhausting. And it actually does far more damage to us than it ever does to the person that we're offended with. Today, I believe that God wants to do a work in our hearts around forgiveness. Some of you, I, I believe, in a room, this number of people, there'll be, there'll be some of you who there's a major offense in your life. Someone close to you has really hurt you. Something that has happened in the past that you've, you've not been able to let go. And it's been exhausting for you for a long time. God is in the business of changing our hearts and, and setting us free. But we need to partner with Him in that. Some of you, it'll just be something minor that has happened this week that you need to let go. And it'll be anything in between. But I want us to have open hearts this morning and allow just something of the the amazing power of that story of forgiveness to to come and touch your hearts and to to spur again in you that desire to, to walk free in forgiveness. So why don't you stand to your feet in this place and I'm not going to, this is a personal thing, I realize. So I'm not going to ask for a show of hands or anything, but you know what's going on in your heart. You know the people that you may have an issue with. And if you don't, we're going to take a moment in prayer and we're going to just ask God to show us those things. Because sometimes they just sit beneath the service. And like I said earlier, we just kind of, we shove them down. We put them away. But actually we need to bring them to the surface and we need to deal with them today and can I tell you it's not a burden that you need to carry alone it's something that you can share in this place we'll be able to pray some more after the service if you would like some further prayer but ultimately it's it's the grace of God who helps us to forgive for Philomena it was her faith in God that allowed her she said it was hard she acknowledged that but she got to the place where she could forgive such a a horrendous sin against her. So I just want us to take some time. Let's just close our eyes and in this moment, invite the Holy Spirit just to show us where we're holding resentment or unforgiveness or offense or hurt against someone or a situation. Holy Spirit, show us now.
I, I want to pray and I want you to, to join with me in this prayer. Father, I thank you for your amazing forgiveness, God, that, that you first forgave us. And Lord, we received that this morning in our lives. God, we recognize that even though we've been set free, sometimes we just kind of, we, we put the chains back on ourselves when we, when we choose not to forgive others. We, we, we bind ourselves up again. And God, we want to walk free again this morning. So we release forgiveness towards those people. I don't know, you don't need to name them, but I just reckon you need to say in this moment, Father, I forgive them. Come on, say it out loud. Father, I forgive them. We, we need to be here in this space, forgiving those people. Father, hear our heart. Help us to walk free in this moment. Jesus, we forgive these people. We thank you. And Lord, the things that they did, they will not have a hold on us any longer. God, we walk free in Jesus' name. We thank you, God. Amen. I'm also aware that in this group, there'll be some people and you haven't actually ever received the forgiveness of God in your life. And you might think, oh, I'm a good person. Well, I'll tell you what, that doesn't matter. You're surrounded by good people, (laughs) but we don't get to heaven by our goodness. We get to heaven by the grace and the love and the forgiveness that God offers us. We come into relationship with God, not based on any of our own merit, but only on His. You see, Isaiah tells us, we all like sheep have turned astray. We've all done stuff wrong. We're fooling ourselves if we think we haven't. And and even the smallest sin demands a payment from heaven. And so we are in God's sight, without His grace, we are sinners. We are in, in need of punishment. We're in need of justice. I love what Ephesians 1, 7 and 8 says. In Him, that's Jesus, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, and accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us. We have redemption. We have forgiveness. We have freedom because of the the grace of God through His Son, Jesus. If you're here this morning, just with every eye closed and head bowed, if, if you're here this morning and you know that, yeah, there is sin in your life, there's stuff that's undealt with, and you need to walk free of that, then you need God. You need His grace. And just in this moment, I want to offer you an opportunity to come into relationship with Him. You don't have to understand the whole Bible. You don't have to have a great knowledge of theology. You just need to have a heart that's open to say, God, I need you to forgive me. I want to walk with you now forward from this day. Is there anybody here? Just raise your hand. I'll see it and you can put it down. This is the most important decision you will make. So I want to give you a moment. You'll know who you are because there'll be a battle going on inside of you. (laughs) You're like, no, I don't need to do this. Don't need to do this. But there'll be a, a still small voice in your heart saying, you know, Humble yourself, respond to Jesus. We would like to do that this morning. Okay, I'm not seeing any hands. If you think, actually, 
that is me. I do need to do that. I don't have the courage to put my hand up. Just come and have a chat with me after service. I'd love to talk with you about that. Bless you, church. I trust that this has spoken to you and you're going to walk forward from this place in forgiveness towards others and therefore under the forgiveness and the grace of God. Bless you. What a great word. Let's give Dave a hand. It's been a bit of deep spiritual work today, I feel, and I, I love the fact that, um, that my God is with me in the process. Yeah, He's with me in the process. He's for me. And it's as I surrender to Him in that work that oh, you make progress and it is good. Like we've said, if you would love some more prayer, why don't you come down the front afterwards? We would love to.